welcome to Barbatos Catholic Podcast, the show where three Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. We are your hosts, Gustavo, Ivan, and Walter, and today we are going to talk about finding meaning in our lives. But first, a word from our sponsor. Guys, are you looking for a nice gift for your wife or for your mom? Is your daughter celebrating her birthday or First Holy Communion soon? Be sure to check out Telos Art for a beautiful selection of saint medals and heirloom jewelry. Celebrate the people you love with a timeless gift, one that is both functional and sentimental. Jewelry can mark a special moment or occasion and can be a reminder of that event each time that it's worn. A medal mom wears now can be passed down to future generations. And you can feel good about shopping at this family-owned business because Catholic jewelry from Telos Art is inspired by truth, goodness, and beauty. Telos Art is a place to find unique miraculous medals, vintage jewelry, and one-of-a-kind designs that are sure to inspire and delight your loved ones. Find out more information at telosartshop.com. That's T-E-L-O-S artshop.com. Use discount code BARBATUS at checkout to get 20% off any purchase. And now, to the show. So, a few, a few days ago, uh, this is a funny story that illustrates another example of how Gustavo and I are uh, the same person. We were celebrating my goddaughter's uh, first birthday, Pia, mm-hmm. uh, Ivan's beautiful, beautiful daughter. She is. Very she beautiful. looks so cute, man. She's so cute. She's like the cutest, chubbiest baby ever. She's got. I see her at mass, and I'm like. I just have to. I just have to go and get my dose of. Cheap. I know. Literally every <laughs> Sunday when you see her, yeah, I it's told like you cachete, that. and you just yeah, go in for it. And grab un taco it. de cachete. Un taco de cachete. Did you Did you ever hear Está that? Did, did you ever hear that like urban legend of like Mexican moms that le daba oh, mal de ojo al niño o algo así? Oh yeah, dude. My mom like totally like me barrió con hoja de pir- <laughs> con rama de pirul <laughs> y con un huevo. For those of you who don't know that, uh, like. I guess the bad eye, right? Mm-hmm. Ojo. Um, yeah. there, there's like this curandero tradition, I guess, is like um, like a shaman or whatever you want to call it. It's like alternative medicine that they like hit you with the branches of like a eucalyptus tree, something, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something. Or they like. Something fragrant. They Fragrantful. Rub, yeah. They rub an egg all over your body like to a black absorb. Egg. The black vibes. Yeah. And when very, you crack the egg, it's like black. Yeah, yeah, very early in my parents' marriage. I think when Monica was born, she's the uh-huh. oldest. Um, she got sick or something. And my dad walked into the room and my, my mom was doing something con un huevo. Uh-huh. And my dad was like, oh, weirded out. He's like, <laughs> crap, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, that's like very superstitious kind of, yeah. Yeah. you know. Welcome to Mexico in the 80s. <laughs> One thing that does work is like the fried garlic clove wrapped in cotton and put in the in ear. The ear, yeah. That, because that cures, works. That cures. 100% of the time that because works. Because garlic is, has anti-inflammatory properties. Mm-hmm. That's why. And then when you're done with it, you fry a little bit more and then you have like a good snack yeah. mm-hmm. with your peanuts. Yeah. You know? It's a little gross at the end, but. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Well, but I, the same one. But I want to know. Okay, so. At Pia's birthday party, how did you oh, guys? Sorry, yes. Before sorry. we deviate even yeah. more, <laughs> we actually, if you if you want, must know we deviated twice because we didn't say what the the malojo is. That's true. And then we deviated yeah, from I. your story. But I is essentially it happens when 
a mom or like a person, not a mom, a person wants to like, like a squeeze, stranger, a stranger wants to squeeze like a baby's cheeks, but obviously she doesn't do it because she's not like creepy like that. But then something happens to the baby. It's like the it's intention. Like, of, yeah. It's yeah. like the intention and, and, and the intention is not like fulfilled. And then like something weird happens to the baby that they get a malady. Exactly. Mexicans are weird. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Okay, so now the deviating from the second story to the first story. Walter, Correcting. take it away. So, um, so we were at the party and uh, we we're hanging out at uh, uh, John and Miranda uh, Buells. Which shout out to the Buells because they have the best party house in. Because uh, they're the only ones that have a pool. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but you saw the picture of my half birthday. It was the Buells, so you know they have like the perfect backyard. So shout out John and Miranda. Um, and, uh, Gustavo and I got to talking about the podcast for whatever reason. And Gustavo pitches to me this idea for this episode. He's like, Hey, have you read Victor Frankl's men search of meaning? Uh, and I was like, Oh, you read my notes because we have an ongoing document. Yeah. Like a brainstorming for, document for our ideas for the, for these episodes. And Gustavo was like, what document? I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, we both. I had legit not read the document. I, I read it later that that evening, and I was like, oh, okay, that's the document. Almost verbatim what he told me. Pretty much. Yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, so this this episode, essentially, you know, it's it's a book that I read a long time ago, but it's it's was introduced to me by Carolina. And... um because she studied logotherapy and she studied Viktor Frankl. And it's something that um, it really touched on me in terms of the significance of it and what he went through. Yeah, go ahead. It's funny because you got introduced to that because of Carolina, but yeah. Otto was the one that gave me a copy. Of oh, yeah. it. I actually borrowed Otto's copy to read that, that book. It's like, oh, yeah. my first love. I mean, <laughs> shout out to Otto. I love you. Yeah, so and and it kind of like came back into light um recently now that the the Olympics have ended at this point by the day we recorded this podcast. Um and with Simone Biles, you know, being like in all the websites and and headline news because her struggles with like mental health issues and stuff like that and wherever you stand on that, you know, whether you sympathize with her or like literally outright called her out because people labeled labeled her a quitter or whatever you know we're not going to get a uh, into that you know that stance is not necessarily important but the importance is that um mental health is a real issue in the US and I I dare to say worldwide right but um it's here in the US is um it's rampant you know in a study performed by the CDC suicide was a tenth leading cause of death overall in the US wow claiming the lives of over of over uh, 47,000 people, which uh, leans really heavily male versus female. It was the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10 and 34. 10 and 34, dude. Do you know the split on uh, male versus female out of those uh, almost 50,000 people? I don't, um, okay. but it does lean heavily towards male okay and we have we'll, we'll put like the the links to the cdc study Stats. that i found and i and again this was i think a study performed either in 2018 or 2019 
I don't think it's that outdated, uh, at least for our talking purposes, because if anything, it just got worse with the pandemic. I was going to say, yeah. So, uh, and again, it was the fourth leading cause of death among individuals ages 35 to 44. So again, pretty young, Mm. you know, it's pretty sad. And I think it's something that, that it's important to talk about, not to like put a downer of an episode out there, but to really um, find out why, you know, and I think as Catholics, we're like, um, we carry joy. We know how the story ends and, and, and we have that in our hearts. And that's what we try to instill in mm-hmm. our kids' hearts and in our kids' minds, how faith it, um, really affects our well-being and, and how uh, joy, it should be an everyday thing, um, despite of suffering and despite of like the circumstances, bad or good that you're living. You know, we should always find a way of, of, of giving that to God, you know, and during Lent, you know, we offer up sacrifices for God and um, we give up things and many sufferings here and there. But there are people dealing with like real suffering, you know, giving up chocolate is not a suffering. It's mm. just like something. Yeah, there's people that do. have, uh, you know, relatives with cancer or have lost Correct. a loved one. Yeah, that sure. is suffering. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are nearly two and a half times as many suicides in the U.S. as there are homicides. So these stats are, again, not just to like scare or be a Debbie Downer. Yeah, be a Debbie Downer. It's just good to know, you know, sometimes you don't pay attention because it's it's really not getting the headline news coverage that it should. Um, and again, if it does, there's really no solution. You know, there's just like, okay, this is what it is. It sucks. What do we do about it? So for today's episode, um, kind of like bringing it back to the Viktor Frankl kind of thing, you know, it's um, that book, Man's Search for Meaning, is super popular. Uh, it Viktor Frankl, we'll just get a little bit into who he was. Viktor Frankl was a clinical psychologist back in the 30s, 40s, <clears throat> and Jewish. So him and his whole family were taken to concentration camps in Auschwitz. and um, in the concentration camps, Viktor Frankl lost his wife, his mother, his father, and his brother, I believe. Um, and obviously, he saw the worst of humankind and some of the worst suffering that that the world has ever um, experienced. You know, in terms of like what happened in World War II. Was he in the concentration camps? He was. Okay. Yeah, he was there for I want to say three years, maybe. Okay. That that number might be wrong, but mm. yeah, he was there. And <clears throat> again, as a clinical psychologist, he was studying, you know, while going through all of this, the behavior of people in concentration camps, you know, how hope was kind of like fading. He saw that because he said that he could always tell when, when somebody was about to give up on life because they, because they started, um, smoking the cigarettes instead of trading them for food mm. Mm. wow isn't that crazy That's pretty profound yeah <laughs> man what's the other thing that a lot of people died at right after christmas and new year's yeah because so like oh or the war is going to be over by, uh-huh. by christmas so people had hope you know that they would be like liberated by christmas and then after shortly after new year's people started started like passing away so the point of the book is that essentially um, man's search for meaning uh, is the 
the ultimate tool that keeps someone alive, right? If you don't have meaning in your life, pretty much life is is meaningless, right? Been bringing it back to the to the opposite of that word. But within the book itself, uh, I mean, you knew about him, right, Walter? Yeah, um, like I read it when I was like in my early twenties, and um, it really struck me because I'm I'm pretty obsessed with um, World War II stories mm-hmm. um, because I think that that period of time. I mean, they call it the greatest generation for a reason, right? Um, there has been the the worst of mankind and the the best of man mankind um you see these stories about like you know Schindler who was trying to save as uh, many Jews Correct. as he could um amazing movie by uh, the way yeah mm-hmm. um the the boy in the striped pajamas but it's probably <laughs> that's not a based in a on a is it based on a real? I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's in real events, but um, those those uh, well, Band of Brothers. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Oh my actually gosh! That's not... actually yeah, I know, but it <laughs> it, it relates a little bit to right. the this, to this. Topic. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're really really good movies around the um, the topic, and I think what struck me the most is um, I went to a. Holocaust Museum when I was um, in uh, in Latvia. I studied in abroad in Finland and I was able to see like a, re- a recreation of the barracks mm-hmm. where they would be and man it, w- it was like very sobering to see the, the conditions that they had in, in the concentration camps and then seeing like these mountains of shoes and suitcases yeah. and things that the Nazis considered to be things of value. More value than the people. Versus yeah. the people. Um, that is just like insane. So um, reading that and, and also like I think that he memorized what he wanted to write in the book because he didn't have like pen or paper. Yeah, it's not like he went back to his office after a hard mm-hmm. day of labor. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so just the thought of like I'm going to write this book mm-hmm. was like sufficient to carry him through all of the things that he was uh, going through mm-hmm. in, in, in the concentration camp that he didn't really know for sure if he was no. going to make it. And he didn't know if his family was alive either. That's the other thing. They were separated. And he, he said, maybe I'll see them again one day and maybe I won't. He never found out how they died and when they died and if they were together or nothing, you know, and that's like, that's why people started smoking their cigarettes, you know, because they were just like, screw this, you know, but even so that's, that's a, a, a tidbit that I found out while doing research for this episode is that even in Auschwitz with those living conditions and without end in sight, there was less suicide there than, and and Frankel said said this in an interview um, years after. Than mm-hmm. in Finland, I think. 
you know, where they had like all of the uh, comforts and everything like worked and they didn't have to like, like scour for food or go get water. And every, it was like a modern city. Uh-huh. There was more suicide there than in Auschwitz. Isn't that, that amazing? What do you think that is? Uh, they they don't have the the sunlight. Um, they have like um, very short days. Mm. Um, well, I lived there for like six months, and I got very depressed during mm. uh, the summer, uh, the winter, right? <coughs> uh, rather, uh, because the sun goes out at like ten a.m. and then it goes down at four p.m. So I was oh. in the university inside a class uh, for that time. So. It was dark when I went to school. And it was dark when you got out. When I got out. So um, they have, it's crazy. I'm going to try to find a a picture to put in the the show notes, but they have like um, luminotherapy, I think it's called. You basically walk around with like a lamp on top of your head to (laughs) simulate uh, sunlight. And, And in Finland, like the national problem that they have is alcoholism. Mm-hmm. people just drink and they are not like a cheery expressive culture like mexicans right so they like <laughs> very much like keep it keep all to in. themselves keep it all in yeah it's it's uh, it's an interesting culture mm. um but that's that's one interesting thing that i i don't know if we talked about it gustavo but there was like not a lot of suicides in 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 the camp yeah, that's kind of like w- what what it related to, you know, that yeah. even, oh, and Frankel says it, yeah, Frankel said it in an interview, which you're like mind boggled at that point. Yeah, because you would think that everything that they, that the the prisoner at the camps went through. Correct. Just like breaking their wills. And mm-hmm. just breaking it was an down. experiment in breaking people yeah. down. And just everything that they went through. And then the fact that you think that, or the fact that you know that there wasn't as many suicides, mm-hmm. that's insane, man. Yeah, so people were holding out hope. Yeah, a lot. Obviously, yeah. You know, and um, so we won't get too much into the book, but I'll just like um, preface it by saying, you know, the book itself focuses on um, finding meaning even through suffering, and that's what struck me the most. And mm-hmm. if you have the time, I really recommend. If you haven't read this book, get this book and read it. And it's super. E- and it's a super. It's a easy super easy read. read, and it's really short. I've never read it. Yeah, I've never read it. So when I was reading the, just hearing you guys talk about it and reading yeah. the notes, I'm like, man, I gotta read. And this I cannot fathom why there is not a movie made of this. Mm. It's an amazing story. Of him writing the book, that would of, be fun. Of his like life, you know, That's and his true. experience, and the people that helped, and he how he came out of this. The before and after. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, let's call Mel Gibson and set, <laughs> a, set up a meeting with him. And be like, hey, man. Or Spielberg, you know. Guillermo del Toro. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tying it up, too. Tying it up, yeah. If you listen to the other episode, our first episode of season two. Yeah, um, yeah so let's, um, let's do th- three lessons from the book um, real quick before we uh, move on to, like, how we tie it to... Um, present time and how and why this is relevant so the first lesson would be um to find meaning in suffering and in your life how um not how he who has a why to live can bear almost any how to live for to live for mm-hmm. yes um so basically you can go that you can you can be dealt with like 
the shittiest of uh, cards and still, you know, make something out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. when when life gives you lemons, you you make yeah. lemonade for your family and your loved ones. <laughs> um, for your family and your loved ones, you put up a lime, yeah, that's lemonade. Yeah, the why. Stand. You know, you you gotta find the why, right? And and that why justifies the how of 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 your circumstances. It's essentially what the book hints at. Where do you know where else you you uh, seen the the why come into play? Mm. You've you've gone through this twice with me. Oh, uh, Exodus ninety. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're Exodus right. Exodus ninety is like mm-hmm. big on defining your why. Yeah. So that's I. It just clicked right now when we were talking about mm-hmm. it. It's like Exodus ninety. Define your why you are doing this. And um, now it, I I yeah. wonder if they took this. I mean, it's could be. It could be. Um, and that's from Nietzsche, by the way. That's just not necessarily like a Franco quote. Okay. But yes, I mean. Um, Exodus 90, I think that there has to be some intent in the why, because if you're just doing it nilly-willy, you'll leave it nilly-willy, right? It's easy enough to drop it if you really don't have a reason for doing that strenuous exercise. Same as this. When people don't have that why, then any circumstance, good, bad, worse, horrible, is just going to be the ticket out. Absolutely. Okay, lesson two. Love is the ultimate and highest goal to which a man can aspire. And I think we need to take some pause there to really define what love means. You know, and that a lot of people think of romantic love, but there's actually like several What's kinds. love got to do? Got to do. <laughs> Hope you appreciated that musical break. Um, but if you uh, like more of that stuff, let us know. <laughs> we're going to drop a single. <laughs> uh, no, but not romantic love. Uh, uh, you know, like which is, is is important. But love is is a uh, something that you decide to wishing the the best for the other that that is that love that sacrifice for others love is willing the good of another thomas aquinas said thank you i knew that i had heard it from somebody smarter than myself um so that is what we talk about when we talk about love and it is the highest ultimate and highest goal to which a man can aspire yeah so essentially what they attributed to on the book and in the concentration camps is that the like a like a prisoner would would carry all of that bad carry all that bad stuff because he had a son waiting for him you know the love of his son uh kept him going or somebody had like a study that they were doing and they were caught in the middle of it say they were dedicated to their passion to their love that they would bring some good to mankind via that study that's what kept them going so mm-hmm. essentially the love is the ultimate goal. It, it it means that that is essential to human life, to to the surviving and to the finding that door to go uh, and bear every how, essentially. And lesson three, tree. Tree? My accent is showing. Excuse me. My Mexican is showing. Lesson three. When we I'm glad all- you didn't say turd. <laughs> 
The turd the, lesson. The, the turd, turd lesson. lesson. <laughs> <laughs> We're having way too much fun with this topic. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And I, for me, that is like, it, it's worth the ticket uh, when it comes to like reading the book. Um, because I think that so many times when we are in a situation that we cannot change, I guess, especially during parenthood, <laughs> I have found myself more often than not in a place where I cannot change the situation. Mm -hmm. So when you cannot change the situation, you are like basically forced to like change yourself or like, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's like a fi uh, flight or fight mechanism, mm -hmm. right? And most times I want to go with flight. <laughs> But um, I feel like lately I have been doing like the the fight, but not like fighting the thing that it is bothering me, but more like how do I die to myself that I change my my reaction to the situation that I have little control over. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if you guys want to add to that one before we um, we move on to the next point, but I think that's worth. Um, I have uh, I have an example. It's a terrible example, but <laughs> just at a time where I had to change myself is so. It has nothing. There's like no deep, yeah, anything deep with this. Mm -hmm. book. It's kind of funny. So I grew up a gamer. Like I I played video games. Like I had a Nintendo, Super Nintendo, growing up. And, then, and I mean, when I lived with Walter, like he saw me play The Last of Us, the it's whole on game, PlayStation, mm -hmm, on PlayStation Three, I believe. So like I love playing video games. Then I got married. And then I had Lily, and I still kind of play video games. But then I didn't really have time. And then mm -hmm. I like the more I fought it, like you know, like I I can you know the the girls go to bed like around seven thirty, hang out with my wife until like nine ten p.m. and then I'll play for like thirty minutes. You know, it'll be good. Mm -hmm. But then I just realized like I just can't play anymore. I just I don't have time. I'd rather sleep or I'd rather do something productive. So I sold it. So it's like yeah, dude, I can't mm -hmm. change the situation. So mm -hmm. I just got to give it up. Yeah. So you're, I haven't played video games, honestly, like over a year, which wow. is crazy. I never thought that I would do that. <laughs> there you go. The yeah. things we do for sleep. It, it is. And yeah. And, and those, those things that we are evolving as, as men, you know, I'm having the same thing with like. Even I was, movies. Yeah. Movies. I just exactly don't have time to watch same movies. Thing. I was talking to a buddy at work today. It was like, I'm like so sick of these superhero movies i i cannot stand them to the point where i'm like god another one like i got it you know because i'm i'm just like i've i've personally had enough i don't have a problem with people liking whatever movies they like i just feel like it's a little too sugary mm. you know i like donuts but i don't eat a donut with like all the toppings on it you know i need to be well, balanced in this case donuts are being served every summer and every thanksgiving <laughs> gustavo no but i i guess that like goes back to what you were saying yeah you know and it's not that i i, I mean i don't want to say that i found meaning in video games that's not it no 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 you know but i think it's just, it's just a good example of i just can't change the situation so obviously i have to die to myself and mm -hmm. change you know, yourself yeah change myself be more productive yeah. and 
not play video games. I think that's yeah. a good trade-off in my book. And yeah. I'm not a gamer either. So do you still have your consoles though? No, I sold them. Nice. I don't have anything. Mm -hmm. So even if I wanted to. That's true. I just I, I just that opens up a lot more opportunities. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So again, coming out of these three lessons, you know that the book I think encompasses um what Frankel did with this coming out of the camp was that he developed because he was like a clinical psychologist and um he started developing a type of therapy which he coined logotherapy because of logos um do you know what logos mean what's well, like mean meaning right i mean the the logos the why don't you look it up in yeah. that box of yours called the computer um while i finish this thought um which carolina uh studied for a little bit by the way well the word of god the word of god yeah or principle of divine reason and creative order identifying the gospel of john with the second person the of the trinity incarnate in jesus christ yeah and baron bishop baron always says it really the logos, the logos, the logos the meaning yeah <clears throat> so he developed this therapy logotherapy and um you know kind of like contrary to traditional psychotherapy um Freud, uh, which focuses on the will to pleasure or the will to power. Logotherapy focuses on the will to meaning. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, Carolina studied it in Hermosillo when we were dating. And that, that's, again, how we got introduced into Frankel. She went to these, these courses, um, which super smart people. And she was the smartest one of all. <laughs> Shout out there. She doesn't listen to the podcast. She will eventually. Okay. <laughs> if I tell her that I'm talking about her, she'll listen That's to it. That's a good point. <laughs> okay. So how do we tie it with the, the, today? How, how do we make it relevant to people that are listening right now? Like, okay, why are you talking about this book that was written after World War II? Yeah. So in some way, you know, um, Frankl said, in some ways, a suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it finds a meaning and such as a meaning as of sacrifice. So, I think here's where it boils down to. If we look back at that age group, right, the 18 to 25, um, are kids today really sacrificing? You know, I think we are given a lot, especially when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe social media, social, uh, I believe social media has become such an echo chamber where a we make up lives to impress others, and b live vicariously through others' lives. You know. And that's just like a vicious cycle. Oh, yeah. Where you find meaning in somebody else's life, but not yours, you know? And you're just like thumb up and down endlessly knowing, oh, why didn't I go on that trip? Or, oh, why are they eating that scrumptious dinner and not me? You know, and I was victim of that. Mm. You know, you, you, you start having kids and you don't go out as much and, you know, you sacrifice those outings with your friends or that like vacation that everybody took to go to a friend's wedding or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it gets you, right? It's just like, gosh, everybody's like living their lives, mm -hmm. but I'm not. I'm here changing I'm here. diapers. Exactly. You know, so that's the reason of meaning. Because when you come out of it, you figure that, yeah, there's like nothing I would trade now mm. having those moments with my kids. You know what I mean? Trips. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be trips. Dinners. There's always going to be dinners. That moment, and spe specifically with my daughters, will never exist again. 
Mm. You know what I mean? And I and I did like go back a little bit uh, too much, but it it does help to see it in retrospect. No, that that's a really good point, and I think it also goes with what it, what season in life are you at? You know, obviously, mm. like if you're married and you have kids, like that's your season of life. Exactly. My cousin, who can be the same age as me, and he's living the single life, and like that's his season of life. Like I can't. I can't compare by looking at his Instagram stories and like, oh, he's at this place. Oh, he's in Vegas. And I'm <laughs> here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? you know, so I think it has a lot to do with this, with your season in life. And yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, it overall, I, I, it's a natural reaction to, to, it's a human reaction to avoid, try to avoid suffering at all costs. Correct. Right. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel great mm-hmm. to suffer. I mean, just hearing the word suffering, you're like, I don't want to suffer. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't, it's, I mean, I don't know who, where I, when I heard this or who said it, but it's like, we don't know how to suffer well. Exactly. That's, that's kind of the key of, to me, it's to know how to suffer well. And you know, who, who the great model of suffering well is Jesus Christ mm-hmm. who died on the cross, right? The, the, we have the roadmap um, already um, because, you know, we have our first world problems where my gigablast internet <laughs> and my router is not like giving me the 1000, you know, yeah. download speed that I need. You know, that is not really my Google something. Drive takes forever to yeah, open. Exactly. Right. Or, like, <laughs> I don't have the, the latest technology or we don't have the fanciest of microphones so you can hear us crisply the yeah. bass in our voice right so um what what would be like the remedy to that other than you know accepting um suffering when it comes i i think that um i would equate it to like we've been talking about how well y- you know this show is about three mexican dads that talk about like life, faith life and culture but i i believe that the three of us have mentioned in previous episodes that we were we wanted to be fathers, like we had that in us, um, that desire to to have a family, to to raise kids, and I don't think that that is something that um, a lot of men think these days. So there's a prolonged adolescence and the bachelor, and and Correct. all these things not settling down because why would you, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have all this liberty, all this freedom. And very little suffering. And very little suffering. And, and, and you know, and I guess what clicked with me was um, when I heard about the concept of vocation. Mm-hmm. Inviting God into conversation, sit down, shut up and listen, right? What do you want me to do, Lord? And then take it from there try to uh, go through your your prayer life to be open to say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And and to me, it was really easy when I was dating Diana. The, the more that I thought about marrying her, the more peace that I felt in me that this is the right decision mm-hmm. that, I, that I needed to to do. And then we got married and then we started to have children and um, all of those 
challenges that have come with married life and my vocation as father and husband, it is a, a pruning, a purification, because guess what? This vocation of marriage is what is going to help me get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, I need to be purified in order to get to to heaven. We need to get uh, to the point where we are uh, in a, in the perfect state. You, you don't yeah. understand what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say? Um, I don't know if I'm making the, mo- the most of, of this point, but um, once you have that, it's easier to accept those little sufferings, mm-hmm. you know, like the temper tantrums that happen right at the moment of the consecration <laughs> at mass, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or, or sleepless nights with your sick children yeah. or what have you, right? Or when your wife stubs her toe with the sprinkler <laughs> and breaks her toenail and, and you have to play nurse and, and try to help her and, and, and you use jokes that are not adequate for the moment. For the I'm, moment. I'm sorry. Yeah. Babe. Um, <laughs> but uh, once you move past that, let's say that you already have your vocation cleared, which, you know, parentheses, if you're listening, if you're a man um, and you don't know your vocation, you should probably spend some time in prayer in prayer with that contemplation if, you know if you if you are thinking about uh asking out that girl you know take it to the lord and see if uh, where that goes if you if you want to be a husband father if you are thinking about becoming a priest we will pray for you we need more uh, uh laborers in the vineyard um Talk to somebody about your vocation. Talk to us. Send us an email. Mm-hmm. Send us a direct Walt message. Well, just got game. Instagram. He'll help you out. Yeah. <laughs> um, the point that I was going to go with, like, after you find your vocation, you're living your vocation, okay, like, how do you take it even further, mm-hmm. right, for this meaning? And um, and then this is, Gustavo, you're going to probably recognize this, but this is a very Havard thing when uh, when I read Virtuous Leadership. Um, it talks about your life's mission. Um, this d- discernment of um, what you should focus your energy uh, to build the kingdom based on your talents, and then you go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he stopped doing law in order to do Virtuous Leadership Institute and, and teach about um, virtue and how virtue can help in, in, in leadership. Um, and the last point that I have, because I've been on this rent for too long, uh, Saint Jose Maria Escriva also talks about this uh, mission in life as the apostolate. So we need to be apostles, going and spreading the good news. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave it at that, and then you can bounce. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's it's very similar to what, what Walter, you know, just said. Um, you know, once I knew that what I wanted my vocation to be, which, which was marriage. And I knew that I, I discerned priesthood for a little bit, but then I did net. And then I met like mm-hmm. so many incredible families and I'm like, man, this is so cool. I think yeah. I want to be married. I so mean, from we that need moment, holy families too. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, that's very true. <clears throat> so when I knew that I want to be married and then, you know, I met the love of my life and then we started having kids. Um, I knew what my meaning was. 
obviously, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I want to get my wife to heaven and I want to raise good human beings who are going to know their faith. Mm-hmm. But another one is, is also like, I just want to serve the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to, you know, and, and I, th- I feel like I need to get back into that. I feel like this podcast is very good, you know, cause we, yeah. you know, we get together every week and we talk about the Lord and we talk about our faith and, and how to, you know, just inspire other men. At least we try to inspire other men to, to live their faith. But I feel like I could also do more, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, like I, I used to be in youth ministry. I used to sing in the choir. So I feel like I, I think, uh, I can do a little bit more with serving, yeah. serving in the church, you know, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, like, I mean, I definitely know, like right now my vocation is to be married to my wife. Yeah. You know, that's my specific vocation. And, you know, I just want to do better. And, and God, I, I God, a good keeps, job. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, and God keeps revealing that mission. I Absolutely. Think, you know, but we also have to collaborate with God. So, um, that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. So, so just to tie it back to the Catholic perspective, you know, we started talking about depression and suicide. It got a little heavy there for a little bit. And then we sung. So that livened up a little bit, but we really <laughs> want to bring it back home with like the Catholic perspective of meaning. Right. So for a Catholic man, at least for me, it's God. And then there's everything else, right? It is important to have things in order, you know, if they are to make sense, mm-hmm. priorities help us find meaning you know and i saw a video of this one guy saying you know what if if you would read like the hobbit right and but you want to read in order you read like page five and then you jump to page 87 then you jump to page like 205 and jump back to page two or whatever it would get really frustrating really quick Mm. you know because it wouldn't make sense that's what order and you can't read about the Battle of the Five Armies and then go back to totally going into it the frying pan. It would be very pan. frustrating. You'd be like, "What? What happened? Why?" <laughs> and and it just wouldn't make any sense, right? So the sense is the meaning, right? And again, a prominent Catholic figure that we're actually celebrating her feast day today, Saint Edith Stein. She was actually a great tie-in for this episode because she both battled depression before became becoming Catholic. And obviously she gave up her soul to the Lord in Auschwitz. So that's pretty good tie-in, you know, in terms of Mm -hmm. like a Catholic um, saint that she faced extreme situation with serenity and peacefulness of the soul. Someone who learned to deal with the ups and downs of depression, you know, but seeing beyond the immediate and embracing a life that never ends because it's eternal and which is able to shine even in the deepest, darkest of death in a concentration camp. Amen. So Amen. that comes from um, a website that we would put a link up there. Those are not my words. I'm not that smart. But um, Jesus gives suffering meaning. You know, Jesus didn't come to remove suffering. He came to transform it. And he invites us into it, into the redemptive part of suffering. So again, Bow, just to put a bow on it, right? Meaning is really, we, we got to work with the Lord to find that meaning because there's always meaning. Married, fathers, single, everybody in your profession. And again, don't let the stats at the beginning scare you. Let it mo- motivate you. Talk to someone. Yeah, talk to someone. Talk, talk to, to us. us. <laughs> and, um, and be there for somebody too, you know? 
Yeah. Find your why. Mm-hmm. Take it to the Lord. Find your apostolate. And um, while you do that, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Arbato's Catholic Podcast, a show where three Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. If you like the show, please consider subscribing to the podcast, sharing it on social media, leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and recommending it to your friends and family. And if you didn't like it, well, just keep it to yourself and let others make their own mistakes. We are on YouTube, um, audio only. So if you find our channel, Barbatos Catholic Podcast, like, subscribe, um, put the bell on so you get notifications for when we uh, release new episodes every Tuesday. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Um, we would really um, use your help getting more people subscribed to the, the YouTube channel. That would really help us. Um, we are on Instagram at Barbatos Catholic Podcast. And on the web, we are at barbatoscatholicpodcast.com. If you want to send us an email and um, a prayer request or, you know, uh, telling us that we should stop talking about food, any feedback is welcome <laughs> at hello at barbatoscatholicpodcast.com. And uh, on the web, you'll find the show notes for this episode and more. Go find your why, find your meaning, take it to the Lord. And uh, bless Helen's Casey. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. Until the next time.